This podcast is brought to you by Connect First Credit Union. We have a really special show today. You know, we've been talking a lot in recent episodes around the economic transition in Alberta, a lot of the challenges that uh, certainly so many of Albertans feel like we're facing together. But we've been trying to inspire a little bit about some of the great things that are happening. Well, today we're going to be talking about some great things because we're talking about a business, a business leader who is truly changing the way we can support people as they age, as you know, living needs change over time. And and it's coming from an industry a lot of people wouldn't necessarily expect. And I think that is uh, perhaps a bit of the story here is that often the solutions to our challenges come from where we don't expect them to be. And I think this will be a, a great example in that. So why don't we just jump right into the show? Today, we have a very special guest. His name's John Brown. He is an educator. He's a thought-provoking leader, but he's also a business leader, and he's established a great business called Garden Loft, which is all about prefab living. And John, welcome to our show. Hi, thanks very much. John, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? You've got a pretty interesting background, and it's probably not one that conventionally we would see uh, where you've come from isn't always where we'd see entrepreneurs who are building the businesses of the future to come from. So tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. So I'm an architect. I'm a registered architect, and I am also an academic. I'm currently a professor of architecture at the University of Calgary, and I serve as the dean of the School of Architecture, Planning, and Landscape. And you're right. There is this perception that academics teach, they don't do. That's not really the story at the University of Calgary. U Calgary is the entrepreneurial university. We're interested in impact. We're interested in change. And I would say that the School of Architecture, Planning, and Landscape has embraced that wholeheartedly, that our professions are about change. We're about building the future. That is what we do every day. And we need to build a new future. We don't want to build what's already existing and we want to solve the problems. And if you think about what the problems facing the world are right now, the big ones, climate change, pandemic resilience, and social inequality and systemic racism, all of those are embodied in the physical infrastructure of where and how we live. And so it's a really interesting profession to be in and and an honor to be leading the next generation of change makers within the built environment with our students. And then, of course, not only do I do that, I'm also actually interested and committed to doing that in my own research work. You know, I think back to like TV shows like Seinfeld, where... Costanza would tell everybody he was a architect because it was like <laughs> the most attractive possible profession. So I, I guess I have to ask the obvious question. Is it as cool as everybody thinks it is to be an architect? Oh, definitely. <laughs> tell us about, yeah, yeah, how, what other answer could there possibly yeah, no, be? Of course, of course, it's the coolest <laughs> thing ever, right? Like, what, what would you say are some of like the unexpected parts of the job when you're an architect? Sure. Well, actually, I think people come to architecture for a lot of different reasons. Some people are there because they're fascinated with making stuff. They just want to make stuff. Others want to change the world. They want to make life better. I think that there's a public perception that people think that what we do is make things look pretty. You know, we design things and make them make fancy things, and it's about aesthetics. It couldn't be further from the truth. It's really about performance. It's about how do we make a built environment that's more resilient, less wasteful, more efficient, more effective, more vibrant, more fair, more equitable, more healthy, all of those things. And so, for example, the Garden Loft, the current venture that we're launching right now is a response to 
the problems that we all face when we grow old. So you'd think, well, that's got to be a medical problem, right? Mm -hmm. It's got to be doctors and nurses, and I've collaborated with, <laughs> with both for a long time around that. But, you know, in the words of Star Trek, damn it, Jim, I'm, a, I'm an architect, <laughs> not a doctor. I have to look not at the individual, but I look at the world in which they exist. Right. And what can I do for that? And there's so much because we live in a world that is designed for people who are normatively able. They don't right. have problems going upstairs. They don't have problems reaching. They can step into a bath. Their eyesight is sufficient that they can tell the difference between the edge of a counter and the floor. They're not right. going to stumble and fall. A lot of people live like that. But as we get old, those challenges start to occur. Right. And I discovered through some personal experiences with my family that too many seniors end up having to go into institutionalized care before it's medically necessary simply because they can't manage to live on their own in a normatively designed world. Right. Perfect opportunity for an architect to come in and make a difference. The first reaction I think a lot of folks would have is that sounds like it's probably pretty expensive. It's probably pretty out of reach to most people to have a home that's designed especially for those kinds of needs. But you've, you've done something a little bit different with Garden Loft. So maybe you want to share a little bit of the story of Garden Loft. Sure. Yeah. So you're right in that these supports, the kinds of supports that you might need, are more expensive than the other. If they right. weren't more expensive, they'd right. be everywhere. Right. And if you don't need them, then you don't need them. But if you do need them, then you really need them. And I've had a company called House Brand for 25 years, and we built about 250 projects, housing projects in Calgary over the last 30 years. And we discovered that cost is always an issue and that you've got to be careful about what it is that you put into what you need. Mm -hmm. But for people that actually need those things, then it makes sense to invest in that. But it's not something that's needed necessarily from a resale point of view. Right. It's not something that's needed forever. And so our idea was, well, why don't we try to put this into a prefabricated portable unit that could be put in the backyard of a family's house for an aging parent or any other family member who has different needs. It could be someone with a traumatic brain injury from right. a, a car accident in their 30s, right. or it could be a, an adult child with autism or, or any of those kinds of things. And that unit can then be used and the technology that's required can be utilized in an optimal kind of way. And when it's no longer needed, for that individual, then the unit can move on somewhere right. else. So you're you're using that efficiency, the specialized equipment at, at the highest level of efficiency. It sounds like there's a fair amount of innovation there because you're not just slapping four walls together and uh, and creating a living space. So tell us a little bit about the exploration. Like how have you been solving some of the problems you have? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess from the broadest point of view, the idea was how do we create something that is not a medical environment? Right. So if you think about right. care facilities, they are the aesthetics of the hospital. Yeah. And if you go into someone's home where there's a senior or someone with mobility challenges, what do you see but stainless steel handrails sort of <laughs> yeah. jammed everywhere. And it takes the aesthetics of the hospital into the home. And as an architect, I have a problem with that because if I'm really ill, the aesthetics of a hospital are just fine. But right. if I'm not, having it invade a residential environment constantly reminds the person who's living there as well as all of their guests that there's something different, there's something wrong. And growing old is not a disease. There's nothing wrong with it. Right. It's actually a huge achievement to grow old. And the older you get, the bigger the achievement. But you shouldn't be reminded every day that there's something special and different about you. So we yeah. use the metaphor of eyeglasses to design every component of the house. So eyeglasses, I'll put mine on. 
so that I can actually see you better. Actually, I only need them for close work, not, not for distance. But this is a medical device. Right. A lot of us wear them and a lot of us pretend that we're not wearing right. them by having contact lenses. But it doesn't look like a medical device. If it was right. designed as a medical device, they'd all be the same. They'd all be stainless steel. They would be like this horrible yeah. kind of thing that would <laughs> tell you, oh my gosh, you have to wear glasses, right? But that's not the case. Mine are big, black, and chunky because I'm an architect and that's part of what architects do. And yeah. my wife also thinks I look handsome or at least better <laughs> in these. So of course, I'm going to wear them. They're right. part of the way that... I define myself to me as well as to the world. It's the same as the way we dress, the car we drive, everything else. And just because we have to wear glasses doesn't mean that we can't have an expression of who we are as, a, right. as an individual. So if we take that strategy, our goal is how do we take all of the advanced technological support features and make them as invisible as the glass in my eyeglasses so that you don't know that right there is a floor that reduces hip fractures by 43%. You don't know that there actually is a handrail that runs along the length of the house so that you have that kind of support. It's integrated into the millwork and it's a great place to put tea towels. And so right. it just looks like everything else in the house. And that's really at the broadest level, the philosophy that we have. And that's the design challenge to Very solve. Cool. Now, the market, obviously, when you just think of the aging population alone is growing. I mean, that's uh, been a story out there for a long time. By the way, personally, I can tell you, having had my mother-in-law live with us for quite an extended period of time, she's now living in a, a different facility, but this has got to be attractive to a lot of people. So how did they get to find out more about Gardenloft? Well, gardenloft.ca is the best. We have a, an office in the Beltline of Calgary. We have a prototype there that you can come and see. There's lots of videos online and, and all of that. But just to go back to your point for a minute, you know, you're right in that, there's a tremendous amount of guilt in families that can't accommodate a loved one. Not yeah. everybody gets along and right. it doesn't work for everybody <laughs> yeah. and that's all fine, but there just is. And that's the other architectural problem that we face is that we don't live in houses that can accommodate multi-generational living. Right. A hundred years ago, a hundred or a thousand miles away in a different culture, it's just natural that grandma and grandpa are living on the side and they kind of are part. And it's wonderful that your mother-in-law lived with you in your house. But for many, houses aren't designed for that. Where do we have our right. guest bedrooms? In the basement. That's a death knell for someone that has mobility issues. And it's also challenging because of the size of our houses and the way in which they're designed. You become a permanent house guest. Right. And that's yeah. hard for both people. Yeah. Nobody wants to be a permanent house guest and nobody <laughs> yeah. wants to have one. You've got your own family, you've yeah. got kids, you've got spouses, you've got your own life to live. And so by thinking of the garden loft, by conceiving of the garden loft as this separate standalone small, it's 380 or 480 square feet sitting in the garden, what you're doing is creating a family compound so that the parents can be on their own, in their own space, private when they want to be. You right. can be together when you want to be. Child care, all of that kind of works. You're able to support each other in a way that is dignified and provides independence for everybody. That is very cool. And I think a really neat part of your story, John, and it's certainly one that I find really attractive. I mean, you are shaping Alberta's future architects every day in what you do as Dean at the Faculty of Environmental Design. And yet you're leading by example because you're actually building a business that's demonstrating the power of the skills that you're teaching these people to have. But what is the future of architecture look like in Alberta then from a bigger picture? What would be your expert view on that? Well, one of the things that we talk about at the school 
our name used to be the Faculty of Environmental Design. Oh, now we're the School of Architecture Planning and Landscape. I that's apologize. Okay. That's all right. <laughs> you owe me a buck. Um, uh, every time somebody uses the old name. Um, one of the biggest misconceptions or preconceptions that even the profession has is that architects design buildings and build buildings. Landscape architects design parks and gardens right. and planners do policy for community design and urban design. And that is true at some level. That might be the stuff that we do, but what we're really doing is solving big problems. Mm -hmm. And how do we deal with social inequity and homelessness? How do we think about climate change and uh, stormwater runoff and indigenous plants so that we reduce our water usage? How do we think about aging in that? And yes, Part of those solutions and part of a career in those professions can be going out and working in a firm and designing and doing the conventional things. But it can also be doing a startup like what I'm doing. It can be a startup in digital fabrication where robots start making things. There's so much opportunity and there's so much opportunity, I think, in Alberta to build an innovation economy within the construction industry, not just about building buildings for right. the oil industry, or which is what we've been doing right. for the last 50 years, but actually expanding out to think, how do we make buildings smart? How do we think about construction in a different kind of way? How do we think about landscapes in a performative kind of way? How do we think about city policy and urban design in transportation systems? How do we make all of that different? That's a skill set that Western Canada needs, Canada needs, North America needs. And I think that Alberta can start to participate in that. Yeah, right on. Are there unique challenges or opportunities that kind of reside here in Alberta from your perspective? Yes and no. I would say that from the lens of the built environment, we're fairly typical. We're right. a car-based, sprawling city yeah. that has a difficult time trying to deal with climate change. We have a culture that is used to single family houses and yards and grass that requires maintenance and fertilizer and lots of water. And we have all of those same kinds of things, which actually I think is good because if you can solve that problem here, then it's a thing that you right. can export, right? right? And I think what I tell my students is that Alberta's got a history of developing an expertise in an industry and then exporting it around the world, exporting right. that expertise around the world. And there's nothing to say that we can't do that in parallel in other industries. And one of those industries, my industry, is construction, city building. And so Alberta is an entrepreneurial, innovative place. It's the kind of place where people take risks. Mm -hmm. You know, you go up and mm -hmm. say, you know what, I think... I need X millions of dollars because I have a sense that there's some oil down there. Right? Right what on. a crazy thing to do, right? I mean, that requires a kind of mindset of risk-taking yeah. and belief in an idea, belief in a dream. And I think that you can translate that. The success that we've had as entrepreneurs within the various companies that we've started is largely, I think, attributable to that mindset. People will give you a chance. They'll say, yeah, I believe you. I'll believe in you. You right have on. to deliver. I'll give yeah. you one chance, maybe two. <laughs> but in other economies that are based on insurance or manufacturing, right. very conservative kinds of places to the east, yeah. it's very difficult to do that kind of innovation. Look at how much has changed in the last eight years. We have this sense that, oh gosh, the sky is falling and it's doom and gloom. And it's hard. But there has been such a reaction and you see the innovation yeah. economy, how we as a province are pivoting into a new future 
It's really exciting. It's just there's a bit of a lag time yeah. to get there. But our future is bright and it's strong and it's going to be great. And I love that you're leading by example with Garden Loft itself. Like you're actually showing what an innovative company can do. You're building something that could be exported elsewhere and you're doing it right here. And I think that message would have resonated with a lot of our listeners for sure. So when you're looking at your experience then, and maybe just to build a little bit of a parallel here of what we're trying to do at Connect First, you know, we have this ridiculously ambitious notion that we want to be the greatest credit union in the world. And to do that, we know we need to connect with Albertans differently. We need to raise the bar in terms of the kinds of member experiences we're creating for them. One thing we have done is stood up a line of business focused entirely on supporting small and mid-sized business and their growth. But what advice would you have for us? You're surrounded by ambitious folks who want to change the world. How can we better help them yeah. for this future? Very good question. I have a couple of ideas. The first is to not lose sight of the roots of what credit unions are. You know, that idea of it being rooted in a community. You can go talk to your banker. I remember that. And it's been a long time since I've been able to go talk to my banker. Right on. Because it's just a kind of rotating voicemail yeah. kind of <laughs> yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Where nobody really knows. You're yeah. just an account. Yeah. Nobody understands what you've been trying to do. And I think that that's the history of credit unions coming from that kind of rural base. And I think most importantly is don't lose that Yeah, would be my advice. And then the second is be prepared to take a chance sometimes on a wild idea. They don't all work, but money is the thing that makes the world go around. It's the thing that actually gets the flywheel turning. And sometimes somebody with a crazy idea will transform the world and they just need that kind of a chance. John, I appreciate that very much. I've been inspired quite a bit, actually, just by the optimism you've brought in some of the conversations when you're talking about the future of architecture and the potential here. But when you look at Alberta in the bigger picture for the next 10 years, like, um, what would be your predictions for this province? Like, are we going to get through this? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely, we're going to get through this. Yeah. Of course. Of course we're going to get through of course. this. Yeah. yeah. We have, the world has some big challenges. Mm -hmm. We've got climate change. If we think the pandemic's been difficult, the future of climate change on the quality of life is going to be immense. And how we respond to that is going to be extremely difficult. But mm -hmm. I'm very optimistic. I think Alberta is a great place to live. It's got wonderful, wonderful environment, wonderful landscape, great people. It's safe, good education. It's a positive environment. And we will create our way out of these challenges. All right of on. us, every day, working together. Thank you, John. And thank you for joining us on our show. We are very grateful to have you here. And we're very excited to see uh, Garden Loft take off and, uh, and change the lives for the better for a lot of folks uh, all over our province and potentially beyond. Thanks very much. Appreciate thank it. You, John. Next Steps. It was a lot of fun having John on the show. And I've learned quite a few things. But first of all, I have to say I, I was inspired. You know, we often think of academics as those who go and teach. You don't always appreciate that some, like John, actually roll up their sleeves and they're actually taking it upon themselves, I guess, as their evening and weekend and, and nighttime jobs to actually build businesses that are changing the world. And, and certainly Garden Loft is one of those businesses with the potential to change the world. When you think about the generation that is aging in our country and and quite frankly, the aging population of our country is forcing families to rethink how they live together. Garden Loft offers so many potential solutions to that, which is very, very exciting. And 
these aren't easy challenges to overcome. But I think what inspired me there was architecture is an industry that maybe we don't appreciate is going to be solving a lot of those problems. And I'm sure many of you do appreciate that. I have to tell you from my seat where I sit, working in financial services for the past few decades, I, I think it was inspiring to see the entrepreneurial spirit that entrepreneurs are bringing to some of the world's toughest challenges, as John shared around climate change, but certainly around demographic changes. It's pretty cool. And I was also really motivated by that notion that John sees out there where, again, he's leading by example, building these businesses, but he sees there's still this spirit and this culture of taking a chance, taking a risk to build businesses that really matter and do great things. And, you know, that entrepreneurial spirit still abundant in this province and still giving us this huge opportunity to build that Alberta for the future, which we're all going to want to be a part of. You know, my favorite quote was, someone with a crazy idea can change the world. And John Brown is exactly that kind of person who is doing that every day. So thank you very much, John, for being on the show. So if you liked what you heard today, share it with your network and be sure to subscribe. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time on What's Next Alberta. Alberta.